And this Easter season of baptisms, including those done here today at St. Paul's, let's talk about the baptismal equivalent to stained glass windows. That is, let's talk about baptismal fonts. I love sharing bits of obscure knowledge, and here's your dose of it for the day. There's a long custom in the church for baptismal fonts to have eight sides. I suspect that the most practical reason is that it's certainly easier and a lot less math involved to cut stone or wood at 90 degrees and then cut it in half to 45 degrees and then cut it in half to 22 and a half degrees in order to make those fonts rather than attempting something with say five, seven, or 11 sides. From a little experience in woodworking and a lot more experience in math, I can testify to that truth. But there are also other reasons for those eight sides. One of them is that the eight sides represent the eight people saved in the great flood. That was Noah, his wife, their three sons, and their three wives. Water once brought death. The world scoured clean of corruption. Through water, we now die to sin, ourselves made clean. Eight-sided fonts are there to remind us of that truth, just as surely as stained-glass windows remind us of the lives of Jesus and the saints. Another long-standing reason for those eight sides is that baptism is called the eighth day of creation, a new thing that's taking place after the original seven days of creation and rest. As St. Paul states in his second letter to the Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. In baptism, people are recreated into the body of Christ. The dry dust of creation grown old is being reformed into something new. Those eight sides remind us that a new week is beginning. It's time to look at people with new eyes. It is this, with this truth in mind that we approach today's lesson from the book of Acts of the Apostles. It is the story of the stoning of Stephen, who's been called the first Christian martyr. Now, we didn't hear this morning the setup for the lesson that we heard read. The setup is a very long sermon by Stephen in which he recounts in detail the history of God's relationship with the people of Israel and how it was that the people kept turning their backs on God. From the book of Genesis, we know what happened early on when people kept turning their backs on God. A flood came, bringing created order as it had been known to an end. Stephen says in his sermon that yet again people including the people in the audience to whom he is talking. People are turning their backs on God. Now, that's the sermon. Then immediately after that bad news in the sermon comes this amazing twist when Stephen looks around and says, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. The crowd is so incensed that their response is to stop up their ears and take Stephen to the edge of town and stone him to death. Now, why would they do such a thing? Well, here is my take on the story and why I think it made it into sacred scripture. I think that what's taking place in this story is a radical resurrection appearance. 
perhaps the last one recorded in the New Testament. The crowd is being reminded that a follower of Jesus can see the face of God even in the faces of the most unlikely, as in, for example, an angry crowd. You see, the book of Acts is Luke's continuation of the gospel story. According to Luke, Jesus is crucified. According to Luke, he's not in the tomb. According to Luke, the disciples meet him on the road to Emmaus in the form of an inquisitive stranger who keeps asking questions. According to Luke, Jesus meets his disciples as a flesh and blood person prior to their losing sight of him in the ascension narrative. They keep seeing Jesus in unexpected forms, in unexpected people. And then today, according to Luke, after all of those appearances, Stephen is in the midst of a crowd of the conventionally religious, and he looks around and yells out, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Where a news reporter might see an angry crowd, Stephen sees Jesus. That's the message that we likely really don't want to hear. We cover our ears to use the language of the book of Acts. The world will drag anyone who proclaims such a message out to the edge of town, so to speak. Let's be honest, we fight resurrection every chance we get because the human condition is that we do not want to look around and see the face of God in the very ordinary or the distasteful. It takes us off our pedestal. The human tendency is to look around and decide that other people aren't quite good enough, not quite as good as we are. We don't want to remind it of what resurrection really implies, and thus we take actions to put people in their place. Look no further, for one, on what's happening in legislative bodies. Arkansas, Montana, Tennessee, Missouri, Florida. Two, Look what many of us nice progressives think about people with whom we disagree. We all end up being complicit in a world that is religious without being resurrected. That's the bad news. The good news is that amidst a creation grown old, a creation grown corrupt, along comes this Jesus of Nazareth telling someone to go wash in a pool called Siloam and there be made whole. Along comes the risen Christ seen on the watery lakeside instructing people how to fish better. Along comes a community of believers in the first Easter season who begin to understand the power of the act of pouring clean water on people and thus making them clean. Along comes the eighth day of creation. Throughout all of its complicated history, the church has clung on to its sacramental act of pouring water on people as a way to make creation new, sort of like a great flood wiping clean the face of the earth. We now see the Son of Man, to quote Stephen. It has consequences. You see, if we are given a chance for new life in this place, at that font, for example, then ought we not give others a chance for a better life wherever they find themselves? Ought we not acknowledge that it's a new day, a new creation, so that anyone so long declared unclean is seen as unclean no longer? That's the radical good news into which we don't yet totally live. 
Now, the challenge, as I see it, is how to turn this biblical story of Stephen and his sermon and his stoning and turning that into the story of what it is to look like a bunch of cantankerous people and to look out at other cantankerous people and decide that we are going to turn that story into our story as well by how we live. How will we see Jesus? I don't have a simple answer other than that in our lives through years of worship and reflecting on Scripture and repentance and the ongoing breaking of bread together, well, that's how we're going to gradually live into what creation should be and how we should see the world. In this Easter season, I want to be reminded that in a world that had apparently gone totally corrupt, eight people made it out alive. I want to be reminded that there is a fuller life to be had when we give up putting other people in their places. And as the book of Acts reminds us, I look forward to the day when we will all look at those whom we have once declared unclean and say, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Yep. What I'm really looking for is yet one more resurrection appearance. Amen.